say home is where the heart is, so I wonder why your motherfucker always feeling heartless. Welcome to episode two of Doubly Negative. I'm Chris, here with my friend Kyle. Thank you, Chris. Today we're going to kind of piggyback off of what we talked about last week, which was self-diagnosing depression. So I think it's fitting. We haven't seen each other in a week. How was your week? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so we saw each other Monday. Monday. And I think I got way worse uh, around the weekend. And I don't think we talked about this last episode, but the difference between being sad and depressed. Did mm-hmm. we talk about that? Like sad is like when a life event kind of gets you down. Yeah, yeah. We touched on it a little bit. Okay. Right. So I had the general depression. Mm-hmm. And then a life event happened. Uh, actually, we talked about it last time, like a loss in the family. Mm-hmm. So that happened and that caused like sad, but and it, it was really interesting because we just talked about it. And you just talked about how um, if you're minus 40 and then a death in the family is minus 30, you kind of stay at minus 40. Yep. Right. And that's actually exactly what happened to me. And it was really interesting to... Anyway, what I was saying was I had the depression and then also that sad part on top of it. So it was really rough. So that literally happened since the last time I saw you. Yes. Well, I'm very sorry to hear that. I did not know that. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, it was a grandparent. Okay. That's always tough. Yeah. And I mean, she, she's great. I saw her only about a month ago. Yep. Really, really funny lady. Um, and feelings around this type of thing are really complicated because sorry to cut you off but i feel like especially with a grandparent because mm. sometimes it gets to a point where you think okay like they've lived a good life it's time to go it's not exactly. a tragedy exactly but it still sucks because you're losing that person and that's the so so that of course is is one idea right yep. but then when you have the depression feeling and you're wondering should i feel worse is this the normal thing to feel or should i be crying right now for yeah. example like i didn't cry yep that was my next question didn't yeah cry did you feel like you had to force yourself to or like feel like you felt like a shitty person for not crying? It didn't go that far, but I had that train of thought. Yeah. It's tough not to because you're like, am I a sociopath? Yeah. Like I should be upset right now, but I'm carrying on as if nothing happened. And I think that's one of the most uh, interesting things we talked about last time. And I'm really happy to keep it going this time because I really do wonder how many people feel this way. In fact, we could do a poll too. Yeah, like, we'll throw that up on the Instagram before we release this episode. Yeah. So it's a feeling of like, it sucks, of course. Yeah. No matter what. Yep. Of course. But does it emotionally hit you? Because on one level of thinking, you say, well, she's a lovely lady. I'm going to miss her. Yep. But then you have that other thing you were talking about, too, where, well, old people die. Yeah. Is it an acceptance of death, too, or is it a lack of emotion? You see what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of logic and not much emotion. Yeah, and I have really no idea whether it is acceptance of death or you just can't feel sad at that point. I just feel like I'm always trying to justify why I feel the way I do, Mm. regardless of what happens, death, um, breakup, anything like that. I'm like, oh, well, like, I feel this way because I'm kind of losing it here. No, I I love where you're going with that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And this is something really deep too. I think emotions come before thoughts and then you try to justify it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes, okay, I actually read a study about this. Sorry, my thoughts are all, all over the place too. Yeah. But I read a study about this recently where psychological experiments that I can't remember right now, 
have shown that emotions come before thoughts. And often when we can't, when there's no good reason, like let's say you feel sad. Yep. You say, well, why do I feel sad? Your brain doesn't want to have no explanation. So if you don't know, your brain scrambles and it says it must be because of this. And it's the first good reason you can think of. I feel like that leads to anxiety too, because your brain's scrambling. You don't have that answer. That's absolutely. I, I, I just feel like sometimes I'm like, why is this happening? And if I can't figure out why I'm not feeling that way or why this is okay or why it's not okay, I'll start to get nervous and second guess myself the whole time. Yeah. Isn't that what anxiety is? It's just a, a looping of paranoid thoughts or fearful thoughts or. Yeah. I mean, I, I really don't think I have anxiety anymore, but it's like, um, there are certain things, but like, I, I feel like I blocked that out too. And I don't know if that's because of the depression, but I don't think you can block it out. No, maybe I'm just, I don't get anxious anymore. Yeah. I just, I feel like I just, if bad things happen at the end of the day, I can't control it. There are certain things you can't control. And I think that's a very important thing to remember is don't worry about things that you can't control because you worrying about them is only going to ruin your day and you literally can't control it. It's going to happen. Yep. It's one thing to logically know that though and to actually execute it. Yeah. I think it's like, even if I'm in like any sort of bad spot, I say, well, there's nothing I can do about it right now. I'm taking the steps to fix it. So just keep doing those steps and this anxiety will get less, mm. if that makes sense. I think you and I are the same type though. Whatever, Whatever's wrong with me, I think is wrong with you too and vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, I'm the same as you. I've had uh, anxiety like once in my life yep. for like a month. Uh, I know what it feels like because of that one month period. Uh, I would get like semi-panic attacks almost like on the way to work. I don't know why, but like going to work, I was working at Marshall's at the time. Was it a toxic work environment? Because I felt that way when I worked at Applebee's because I had one manager that was scary as shit and I thought, I'm going to do something wrong or not do something wrong and he's going to find a reason to yell at me and I don't want to deal with it. That makes perfect sense, but mine wasn't like that. Uh, I just hid the whole... Maybe that's why. Maybe I was hiding all day and I was worried about getting caught. Yeah, because you weren't doing anything and you, <laughs> yeah. you, you wanted to keep your job. I was supposed to be... <laughs> Maybe, I hope I don't get fired today. That's why you were nervous. So funny. I was supposed to be folding clothes in the men's section all day and I would just like go in the back and hide. Did anyone ever say anything to you? Nope. But maybe I was always waiting for it to happen. Yeah. You know? Well, there's your anxiety. <laughs> but anyway, that's the one time in my life I felt it. So, yeah. I, you know, you, you're also doing the same thing where you're trying to describe why you don't get anxiety. Yeah. I'm trying to justify it. But you can't. Why, why bother justifying it? If, if I don't have anxiety, why am I trying to like just let it just enjoy not having anxiety? Yeah. Like maybe I should just do that instead of overthinking it. I really don't think we have any choice in the matter. No. No, our brain does whatever it wants. Yeah, if you were born with the gene or, or whatever it is or or whatever happened, like nature and nurture. Yep. If whatever happened to you decided you were going to get anxiety, you would have. Yeah, exactly. But it didn't. I think anxiety is po important too. Um, I heard this somewhere. I don't know where, but it was back to, um, I'll circle back to the last episode where we talked about prescription drugs and like if you have anxiety, you take it. Mm. And I feel like people take advantage of like... Oh, I, I get anxious on planes. I'm going to take a Xanax or I don't even know if that's what they prescribe for anxiety, but it sounds like it. Uh, I, I don't know either. There's a sort, there, there's a bunch of pills, but I think being fearful or anxious is okay and important because there are certain times where you need to feel that way. Like if you think back to like tribal times, mm -hmm. if those people were all doped up on anti-anxiety medication, mm -hmm. we wouldn't exist today. That's kind of the same dichotomy, though, with depression. Like, 
you know, it's okay to feel sad if something bad happens in your life. Yeah. But if you're just depressed without real explanation for a long time, that's when I, I would think prescription drugs might be an option. Same thing with anxiety. Like, it's definitely okay to feel anxious, especially on a flight or if, if there's a good reason. Yeah. But if you're like, if you're having panic attacks or something oh, like that. Yeah, of course. But my, my point is more to the people that are like, oh, I get like very minor anxiety over small things. And then they're like, I need to take like this medicine. I need to be prescribed this medicine and take it daily. I think that is just super irresponsible. And I think these doctors overprescribe this medicine for people that don't really need it. But at the same time, how is a doctor going to sit there and say, no, you're not anxious when the person is telling you that? So it's not all the doctor's fault. Yeah, that's tough. It depends which way it goes too, because the one that would bother me more is like, let's say I go to the doctor and I don't even mention being anxious, mm -hmm. but then he says, well, how do you, do you feel anxious? And then they actually push drugs on the patients a lot. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's a common thing. And that, that seems really bad to me. No, that's awful. Yeah. Like if I'm not going to you and saying, hey, I get nervous or hey, I'm depressed. Don't try to put that thought in my head. Because mm -hmm. like even though we went through the symptoms of depression last episode, like those are like, I don't know. I feel like you can feel that way and not have like severe depression. It could be just like a time period where you're feeling sad. Like you said, I feel like depression is just sadness over a long period of time. So I feel like you don't always need to push these. Like you could be feeling that in the moment, but that doesn't mean you have a problem that needs to be prescribed drugs for. Yeah, it just depends on how much is affecting you. Yeah, and it's just the doctor's overprescribing. It really, really pisses me off. That bothers me because I feel like these human emotions are important to have. And that's uh, that a lot of people say that that take them, they say they just feel less. They feel too. like a zombie. Yeah, and you can tell like when you, you can tell when someone's on those drugs. I'm not sure though, and and I don't want to contradict you without knowing much, and I don't know much either. I mean, neither of us are professionals. We're talking out of our asses a little bit mm. at some points. Just from my my view on it, sometimes I feel like I can tell. That's just just from my experience, I can tell. I'm not sure if I can, but I do know that a lot of people have to go through several different antidepressants or or whatever it is, anti anxiety, and some of them will work pretty well, and some of them are awful. Yeah. So uh, I do know of one. Uh, we talked about Ari Shafir before. Yep. Um, great comic. So and funny. I know that he took antidepressants at one point in his life um, and it just worked really well for him. Yeah, because everyone's different. Like you're going to react to certain medications different than like if me and you took the same medication, you might mm -hmm. love it. I might absolutely hate it. It all depends on how we react. Yes. So it's important to see which one fits you best. Yeah, it's like it's like a cost benefit analysis like anything else. Like... To, to, okay, for I can only speak personally. Yeah. Right? You can't speak for anybody else. No, no, no. So personally, if I decided, like, the decision to take medication or not, right? Mm -hmm. I would have to be feeling bad enough to where I thought that the potential side effects were outweighed by the potential benefit. And some of these side effects are absolutely terrible. Based off of what I see in commercials, mm -hmm. it's like rectal bleeding, death. And it's like, <laughs> I'm very anxious, so I need to take that. It's like, you're willing to risk that. <laughs> Yeah, it depends. Yeah. Um, it really depends. The I also mentioned David Foster Wallace before, I think. Mm -hmm. um, he's He's got this book called Infinite Jest, and there's one really often quoted passage about suicide. And he describes it as, well, he gives an analogy. 
so take 9-11 for example mm-hmm. i know that's a weird transition <laughs> yeah yeah but when uh when those buildings were burning and a lot of people jumped out the window yeah right a lot of people will say well why did they do that because the fire was worse than the jump yeah right they just wanted that to end what they were feeling at that current moment was unbearable and they wanted it to end. Exactly. And and um, in the passage that I'm mentioning, David Foster Wallace uh, describes suicidal depression to the fire. Um, so, so why do people commit suicide? Because what they're living through is worse than the idea of killing themselves. Yeah. Right. So if you were in that type of state for a prolonged period of time, you would have to take antidepressants. Oh, absolutely. No matter what the side effects were. And I don't want to come off as like anti-medication for certain mental disorders. Obviously, there are a lot of cases where you absolutely need them. I just don't like when people abuse them. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, there was one dude that abused them outside my apartment in Austin. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> we had a hammock set up outside. <laughs> we, we were just in this shitty apartment complex, Metropolis, Austin. And, uh, yeah, we had hammock set up and, and we, we got up and it was like late in the afternoon too. It was like 2 PM or something like that. There's this guy in our hammock. Yeah. Just like riding the wave. Yeah. We ended up finding out he took a bunch of Xanax. Um, he was abusing it for a different purpose though. That was totally recreational. I'm sure. Yeah. 100%. Cause you can do that too. A lot of people do that. Oh. I never messed with that. Like there was a, like in high school and stuff, it was always offered, but I was never one to be like, yeah, let me do that. Cause I was like. I'll just stick with the green stuff. I did it recreationally a couple times. I never really liked it. Yeah, there are a lot of people that have that I know, but just it was never something that really interested me. That's another thing that I find interesting too is, um, okay, so if somebody's like a, like a heroin addict or something, right? Yeah. That's a terrible example. Let's say, let's say you're a volume addict. Okay. And people will say, well, that's his fault that he's a volume addict. But... Everybody has their own like drugs they like and drugs they don't like. Like for example, some people say they hate the way Vicodin makes them feel. Right? Some people love it. I love the way Vicodin makes me feel. <laughs> yeah, I only took it once when I was getting my wisdom teeth out. Yeah. I took two, got in a hot tub. It was the best I've ever felt. You loved felt. it too. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't really like Xanax, for example. So is that like me being stronger than them or me being weaker than, than them with Vicodin? No, it's just like my body likes certain things. Yeah, you react right? different to it. Like... For example, a lot of people will say, oh, alcoholics are weak. They can't stop drinking, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't drink. Well, yeah, you don't like it that much. Yeah. Like doesn't react with you the way it reacts yeah. with them. When you drink, you get sloppy, throw up, and pass out. Yeah. People can have a drink and have a good night still. No. I don't like it. No? Like, I don't think I could be an alcoholic just because my body reacts so badly to it now. Really? Yeah. We were very competitive drinkers back in the day. Mm. I was good at it back in the day. Yeah, really good at it. Yeah, <laughs> I was one of the best. Well, good and bad at it because it would always end up like terrible. Oh, I'd just like pass out. Yeah. So, um, you did you ever go to the Brighton house that Pete Costa and Ryan had? Brighton. I think it was Brighton, somewhere over there. But we have a lot of stories from various nights because, like I said, we were competitive. So, like, we would take like four or five shots before mm-hmm. we like left to go to the bar. Oh yeah. And by that time I'm already like ready for bed. Well, there was one night we all went out and I don't remember most of the night. I remember puking outside of Fenway and pretty much taking a nap outside of Fenway park. And then we get back to the apartment. We're locked out. So I took a nap on the sidewalk. Flash forward to the morning at 7am. Pete's walking in the door. I think he was here the whole time. 
he just got home. Where was he? He woke up on top of a car in a parking garage. <laughs> this doesn't sound so competitive. <laughs> it's sad. It sounds more sad. It started out competitive and then it got sad. I don't know why we even went off on that. Oh, because we were talking about competitive drinking. Well, yeah, alcoholism. That's yeah. He slept on top of a car for like five hours. What made him do that? I don't. Even, I can't believe I don't know that story. I don't think he even knows why he did that. <laughs> it was just one of those. I'm tired. I don't know where I am. This this mm. looks comfortable. Yeah, like I, I like I like drinking sometimes, but the the cost is just really bad because it fucks up your sleep. Yeah, you the whole next day you're all screwed up. Like you just feel awful. But I don't think that's me being better than an alcoholic in any way. I just no, it just doesn't react like it. Some people can drink every day and it not bother them at all. Yeah. So it, we went off on a little tangent there, but drugs reacting differently with different people including alcohol drugs are very interesting they are i love drugs do you love drugs tell me more in a way <laughs> tell me more well they're just like um there's different ways to make your brain work differently yes and i feel like you can take certain things to open your mind up in a certain way mm. but some people like Okay, take stoners, for example. You'll find people that just smoke to get so stupid out of their mind that they can't feel their face. And there's some people that yep. smoke because they can focus more and they look internally more. Mm -hmm. I know in my experience, like, I don't like the whole, I'm going to get whacked out of my mind and take a nap and melt into the couch. Yep. Like, I like to focus more and, like, it, I think more, like, I'm, I'm I feel like I'm a much better person, <laughs> almost, because I'm like, man, you have these responsibilities, you really need to do that. Like you've been slacking on this, like I'm more accountable. Do you have the same similar experience with it or are you one of the... I do both. Yeah. And I think that's a good distinction um, for when it's like good, quote unquote, and bad. Yeah. It's like if you're doing it for some sort of mind expansion or if you're just doing it to escape. Yep. And that, that would be the distinction I think for anything in life. Like let's say even a donut. Yep. Is it something you're enjoying? It's making your day better, or you're just doing it to just kill your feelings or whatever. Yeah. Same thing with drugs or anything. I think that's good. Yeah. So if you're doing it for that reason, that's good. But fuck it, I I do both too. I feel like boredom plays a huge factor in overconsumption of yep. any substance. Like mm -hmm. if you look at COVID, I bet liquor store sales are through the roof right now. I believe they are. I think there's a lot of people that are just super bored. Mm -hmm. And this was the original topic that we wanted to bring up, but we kind of went off for 20 minutes about other stuff but whatever um the evolution of technology and its effects on mental health and i think one of the biggest problems with like the evolution of the phone and having supercomputers in our pocket is that we are never alone like i'm guilty of it too where if i'm bored grab the phone scroll just because i need something to fill the time and i don't want to be alone in my own head mm -hmm. and i feel like having these computers in our pocket completely takes that away and it's like desocializing people mm -hmm. it's just wild to think about well let's uh okay so you actually mentioned to me that you meditated last night yeah first time tell me about that so I'm very distracted all the time. So I started, I did 10 minutes and 
first I did no music. Then I said like, all right, maybe I'll put on music. Cause this is just me being like distracted in my own head. I put on the music, the music was too distracting. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit in silence. And I was just trying to focus on like feeling present. Like really. So, sorry. When did you decide to put on the music? Was that after 10 minutes? Or? Three minutes in. So you're just sitting there. You decided I need music. So three, yeah. Okay. I thought maybe it'll help me get in like a better zone. Yep. And just focus in on that. But I, okay. I enjoyed it more when I wasn't focusing on music and focusing on my breathing. Mm -hmm. Like it's almost like I was feeling my body fill with air and then get rid of all of it. So I was able to do that for short periods of time over the 10 minutes, but I wasn't able to fully lock myself in for that 10 minutes. And I think that'll come with practice. And of course, the reason I'm bringing this up is because it's what you're talking about. People not being able to be alone with their thoughts, right? Yeah. Just, and that's exactly what meditation is. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's not like I'm afraid to be in my own head. I just think I'm so conditioned to when I'm not doing anything, what's on TV, what's on my phone. Mm -hmm. Let me go on Reddit. Let me read some news. Like I, there's always something in my pocket that I can lean on when I'm quote unquote bored. Do you think that's a bad thing? Kind of. I think it's important to be like, if you're always on your phone, when do you have time to like self-reflect unless you take that time to do it? And a lot of people don't think they need to take the time to do that. I never felt like I needed to take the time to do that, but I feel better when I do. Okay. And when when have you done that, like self-reflecting, ex except for meditation? Um, usually after jujitsu, after like a really hard training session. Mm. A lot of times, like I'll drive the speed limit, no music, and just sit there and drive. Mm -hmm. And that's when I do a lot of self-reflecting. So it's almost like both of those things, uh, after jujitsu and then meditation, you're focusing on the present moment. And that's super important. And I think meditation, when you think of meditation, it's not always sitting alone in a quiet room, focusing on breathing. It could be anything that takes you completely out of, out of your mind, like something you need to be so focused on that that's all you're thinking about. I've had this argument like three times now. I always <laughs> let's rehash it. Uh, so you, you, you disagree with me? Yes. Okay. And I got some flack for it before, but it's kind of like a, it's not a hard disagreement. It's just like, I want to make a distinction where those things can be meditative. Mm -hmm. But what I don't like is someone saying, well, running is my meditation. I don't need to meditate because I run. So the things like that that you're talking about where you get in the present moment, they're excellent and they have like a meditative quality to them, but they cannot replace meditation. And I know I was on the opposite side of the fence and you didn't really say much to like prove me wrong yet, but I'm kind of on your side of the fence too because yeah, it has meditative qualities, but you're still not in your own head. You're focusing on running. You're focusing on rolling. You're focusing on not yourself, you know? So you're not really doing much self-reflection. Like if I'm rolling with someone and I'm on the bottom and they're kicking my ass, I don't have time to sit there and think about what's going on in my life. Is that kind of where you were going with that? It's it's a good point. And it, it, it might kind of branch to, to my idea. Okay, so what is meditation? Why are we doing it, right? So mm -hmm. So what it is, it's training yourself to be in the present moment 
And if you do it traditionally um, by meditating, mm-hmm. you gain practice basically at... Hmm, okay, so I have to go all the way back to the beginning where... Sorry. So you say it, you're, if meditation is training to be in that present moment... Jiu-jitsu, for example, is going to train you to be in the present moment when you're doing jiu-jitsu. Okay. It's not something I can just carry over into everyday life. Some people may be able to, though. It would certainly improve your mood and, and improve your quality of life in general. Yeah. But it's not going to train you to be in the present moment. Okay. Because what meditation is, is kind of... Okay, so the reason people meditate is because we're lost in thought all day. Yeah, and there's always something on your mind. And this is what we've been talking about, too, for the podcast. It's like... You're either lost in thought or you're escaping those thoughts with the smartphone, like yeah, with whatever distraction you can. Right? Yeah, whether it's work or whatever. Like you're when you're at work, you're stuck at work. That that's on the forefront of your mind. Then you get out and you're like, oh, I want to decompress. I'm going to watch my shows. I'm going to play mm-hmm. video games. I'm going to scroll social media. And the result is that you're kind of in a zombified state all day. Yeah. If you're if you're not taking the time to like you said self reflect or meditate or whatever. You're kind of just on autopilot almost. Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. So when you when you actually come into the present moment, and that's that's like a loaded statement too, right? Because everybody thinks they can do it. It's so hard. It's so much harder than you would ever think. For me, at least it was. Yeah. It's almost like when people say like, oh, I enjoy the present moment. That's kind of what we were talking about earlier where you have an emotion and then you just put a random thought to it, right? Yeah. And so, so most people hear present moment and they immediately respond. Their brain goes, Oh, I enjoy the present moment, but it's not. So to actually enjoy the present moment, you really have to try. Yeah. So we watched midnight gospel like two or three weeks ago and Duncan Trussell's mom had said something like, just close your eyes Mm. and try to feel your arm. Exactly. And that's what I was trying to do yesterday. And I felt Mm -hmm. at some points, like I could feel it almost felt like blood flowing, like my legs, my arms, like I was feeling that a little bit. Cool. And is that what, is that the end goal? Like, is that what you're trying to do when you're there? Just really, for lack of a better term, feel yourself? For me, I have the type of mind and I, I think other people have this too. Like I can only speak for myself, but I will have thoughts every single second. Every second. Every tenth of a second. Thoughts climbing on top of thoughts. Right? And when I meditate, that's still happening. But through the act of focusing on the breath or something, I can realize when I didn't focus on the breath because I was thinking about the gym or thinking about diet or thinking about friends or whatever. Yeah. Right? So what it is, it's practicing yourself to become aware that you're thinking. Because we, we think so much that it becomes unconscious. You can't you actually can't pay attention to it all day long because there's so many thoughts. Does that make sense? Yeah, that kind of blew my mind a little bit because I guess by me thinking I was failing at it, mm-hmm. I was recognizing that I was failing at it and it, trying to improve it. Exactly. That's the whole goal. That's the whole goal. Nobody can sit down and, and uh, I, I sent you that... Um, Sam Harris, yep. guided meditation, right? You sent me him like way back in the past too, I remember, because I had asked about it, but never followed through. He's my favorite resource on meditation because he's a, he's a scientist. He's a neuroscientist. Okay. Super smart guy. So he combines like academia and neuroscience and also the meditation, you know? Yeah, yeah. So he understands on a deep level. And he says that he has been meditating for decades 
Yep. And he will still not sit down for 20 minutes and not have a thought. That's nearly impossible. And that's someone who understands yes. the brain very well, understands meditation very well, and yep. he can't do it. No, uh, I actually, I spoke to some monks in Thailand once. Really? Yeah, one guy, um, P. Daniel. He's a uh, half Thai, half American in Koh Samui. Great guy. And he was saying the same thing. He said, these monks all sit in the room and they will think. Yeah. But they're practicing themselves to focus more on the breath than thinking. And, and gradually, that's what it is. You're you're shifting your focus from these thoughts that are just running you all day long to your breath or looking at the wall or just whatever is going on in that present moment and only the present moment. Yep. Because all your thoughts are just... All your thoughts are either about the past or the future or trying to describe the present moment, but you don't have to. You just focus. You're so much fucking cooler than I am. <laughs> yeah, right. I spoke to a monk in Thailand. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was my girlfriend's idea to go there. Yep. Actually, no. Okay, so we were we were driving the motorbike every day uh, from one part of Koh Samui to another, and we passed a... What do you call it? What was that called? Not a mosque. <laughs> That's definitely not no. a mosque. No. Um, I can't even think of the name now. But whatever the sign was, it was like Buddhism Center or something, blah, blah. blah and they had some English. Yep. And I would always say, I, I want to go there. But I would never do it because I have some sort of fear or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was like, well, let's just do it. I hate going into new places, by the way. Dude, and imagine like going to a, a monastery. Is that the word? Maybe. Yeah. yeah, we'll say monastery. But imagine walking into a monastery. It's just monks. Like... Thai monks? <laughs> yeah, like I would be thinking like, do I have to check in? Like, is there like oh a guest? Yeah, like yeah. A guest? I didn't like, even think I was allowed. No, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I have that 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 same feeling, but she was able to push you to go. Yeah. I think it's important to have someone like that in your life. No, she's great, yeah. And um, yeah, we just went in and they said, yeah, we, we do this. Uh, they do it all day long, but they have, a, they have one session at 7 p.m. and you can go and sit down. And we did that several times. Uh, we just go, sat, and they meditated. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. And how long was the session for? From seven to... Eight. Wow. And they would have several different sections. Like the first section, I think, was just sitting down and kind of being quiet, almost like the beginning of a yoga class or whatever. Yep. And you, you know, quiet meditation. And then they would uh, do some sort... It was almost like church. Yeah. They would do some sort of teaching from Buddhism uh, in Thai. And they actually translated it to English because uh, the one guy was half American. That oh. was really nice of them. Yeah, that's awesome. They did not have to do that at all. <laughs> no, and we were the only people besides the monks there too. Uh, and then there was like 30 or 40 minutes of just meditation. And it was really hard at first because I'm not used to doing it that long. Oh, that's a long time to just sit there. And that Very hour probably felt like three or four. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't practice it, like pretty much nobody's going to be able to do it without practice. No, and I felt like for me, the 10 minutes didn't feel like a long time. I felt like 10 minutes was a good like sweet spot to do it because you suggested 20, I think. Well, that was the number um, that a certain study years ago found beneficial. They said if you meditate 20 minutes per day, blah, 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 blah. It's good for depression, anxiety, blood pressure, lots of things. Yeah, I actually felt because I did it right before bed. I got in the shower, I got out, and I just sat on my floor, turned the lights off, and I which is focusing on the breathing. And I felt like so much more relaxed, mm. so much more relaxed. Like it's definitely a good thing to do. Uh, the science has proven it. Yeah. It's not like a, you know, people say woo woo. It's, it's not. No, it, it, it is what you make it of it. And that's one thing too, going back to depression. Um, 
I've had a lot of trouble identifying why I'm depressed or why I'm not depressed sometimes. Yep. But I can clearly correlate uh, meditation and depression because I'm I'm really consistent with meditation actually. Like I probably miss only a few days a year. Really? Yeah. But when I miss it, I feel way worse. Yeah. I can, yeah. And when I get especially depressed is when I will miss it. So if I miss it like three or four days in a row, I just get way worse, like exponentially worse. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I feel that. Well, not really because I've only done it for one day. But, yeah, keep doing it. But dude. I feel like even if it's not meditation, if it's like, oh, not being active, I feel way worse. Yeah. So um, have you ever done one of the float tanks? Did it once. Yep. What was your experience with that? Um, I would love to do one of those. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It was 90 minutes in, um, what is it, like salt water? I think, yeah, I think it's salt water, so your body floats, yeah. and it's completely pitch black. I feel like I'd get super claustrophobic. Uh, I, I didn't at all. No? There was, like, enough space. Okay. Yeah. I think they have one in Warwick that I want to try, and I've been saying this for years, but I just haven't done it yet. And I think the, I think what it is, it's, it's like, so people that want to meditate, but they're not just going to sit down and do it. This is going to force you to meditate. Yeah, you're in there for 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah, you're in a dark tank. Yeah. For 90 minutes. So what else are you going to do? Yeah. Not, you, you have no choice. Yeah. You jerk off. I'm sure people do. Yep. I'm sure some people do. I had the inkling. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I didn't I didn't follow it, but I had the inkling. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, that's what guys do when they're bored sometimes. Yeah. And it's really relaxing, too. You're just kind <laughs> yeah. of floating there. It's warm. And... <laughs> yeah, but then you do it too early. You're sitting in a pool of your own spunk for fucking 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, disgusting. Yeah. Um, so, I guess we'll circle back. Um almost to a half hour ago now where we asked how you were doing. So did you try to take any steps to fix your more intense feelings of depression this week? That's right. Yeah. We only half answered that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I felt really bad um, this weekend. And that was when I, I learned about my grandma and there was also some other family stuff too. But I was also just depressed, like just, but how much of it is related to the event? I don't know. Yeah. And then the last couple of days I started getting better and I can't really explain it. I've been really consistent with my diet and gym. So I always think that that matters a lot. Oh, that definitely does. Just getting out and doing something. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just feel a little bit better now. So I had a really hard time with that this week. Um, just finding motivation to do anything. Mm. Um for instance, yesterday, like I worked from home and then I literally just went to bed at like six o'clock. Wow. Or, no, I went to bed at, it was like right after work, 4.30. Then I woke up around seven and then I sat around the house and looked at my phone mm -hmm. and did absolutely nothing. Yep. So today I woke up and I actually felt a lot better today. Um, one, because I, I had to get up, I had to go to the office. I slept a little better. I did the meditation before I went to bed. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start a diet today. I decided at like 11 o'clock I'm doing keto and fasting. So Keto and fasting? Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> so I, I've, I've done fasting on and off for a while. Um, 
Do you mean intermittent? Yeah, intermittent fasting. Okay. I probably should have added that word. That's mm-hmm. an important word when you, saw, when you talk about it. It matters a lot. I'm going to eat no not... carbs and nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like kind well, of keto. Yeah, all fasting is keto. Yeah. I'm not eating carbs. So, no, I was I did 24-hour fasting. Well, not 24-hour. I would just do one meal a day. So, like, I'd eat at 6, eat as much as I possibly can, then not eat at, again until 6 the next day. Yep. Because I've never been like a breakfast guy. So fasting is very easy for me. Like not even like preparing to do that today. I was able to not eat until five o'clock when I got home. Dude, we're, we're very similar. I'm the same. I just. I never eat breakfast. Do you think the app that has anything to do with depression? Just not having an appetite? Well, I do have an appetite. I, I don't. I don't get it until like one o'clock. Me too. Like I go all day not eating, not even snack. I'll just have water and black coffee. I've had so many problems with my family and friends over the years because I never want to eat breakfast. I mean, on the weekends, I don't mind going out for a little breakfast, but like, I'll never eat anything in the morning. Fuck breakfast. What's the... No, I I don't have time. I get out of bed late. I get in the car. I go to work. Yep. I get out of bed late. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) I I value sleep more than I do breakfast food. Yeah. So fasting is easy for you. It's easy for me too. I do the same thing right now. I I only eat um, between like... 3 p.m. and like 7 or 8. Really? Yeah. I need to cut out food a little sooner. I think usually I'll do like 8, 30, 9 o'clock, but like I'm not like super strict about the drop dead date or the mm. drop dead time. But as far as waking up in the morning, <laughs> not needing to eat, that's not a problem for me. No, me either. Yeah. So I th- the reason why I brought up this diet is because I think this will help me it's going to kick my ass into gear and it'll help just like as far as like we were both fat. Do you have body imaging issues? Oh, yeah. I cannot stand myself. I avoid mirrors at all costs. I am not happy. I went off the rails a little bit and it's something that's on my mind all day, every day. Body dysmorphia. It's all. Well, I don't think it's dysmorphia at this point. I got a pretty hefty gut. It's No, dude, it's it's body dysmorphia for sure. Um, because I have the same thing and cause what body dysmorphia is, is seeing yourself worse than reality. Yeah. And you got a little bit of gut. So do I right now, but nobody looks at us like we look at ourselves. But I think people are literally looking at me going, he's put on some weight. I think, and that's almost like a self-centered thing almost like, why does anyone give a fuck what I look like? Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They're thinking about me like, oh man, he's he's a little chunky now. Yeah. You know, he gained weight. And that's the type of thought process that adds on to the dysmorphia. It, it's like, uh, I think, again, it's another thing that's extremely common because everybody has things that they don't like about themselves. Yeah. But like how severe is it and uh, how much does it affect you? But I think because oh. we were both fat kids, like it affects me a lot. Yeah. What was your go-to fat food? Like what got you to that point? <laughs> I was a Chef Boyardee kid. As a that, kid? That's, yeah, that's all my mom. Mm. Like it was just, oh, easy lunch, fix it yourself. So it was just Chef Boyardee ramen all the time. <laughs> Chef Boyardee, wow. Yeah, my parents did not give a fuck about nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> no, mine either. No. That's that's how it happens. They cashed that in. Uh, mine changed throughout the years. The first one I remember was Lucky Charms. I ate Lucky Charms every meal of the day for a long time. What? <laughs> for a long Lucky, time. At what age? Uh, I was pretty young. Not that young, though. Like eight or nine. Oh, I thought you were going to be like 16, 17. <laughs> no, no, no. Lucky Charms, like all the time. <laughs> oh, God. My most recent one has been those, um, do you know those cookies at like Stop and Shop and Walmart? Everywhere, basically. 
they're just like a big sugar cookie and then they have cake frosting on top of it oh you know what i'm talking about yeah. <laughs> you just moan yeah dude because i'm fucking fat dude i love those things yeah I, I i was uh i was killing one of those a week one of the a box of those a week oh i was like one cookie a week that seems not no, that bad no I, well i would eat the box in one night yeah i do that once per week uh my problem isn't so much like the snacks i don't snack too much i do mm. like my chips and salsa if i'm feeling frisky a little chips and queso okay but like it's fucking laziness dude it's so much easier i live next to mcdonald's mm-hmm. like three minutes away do i want to cook oh I, i'm a little lazy right now it's like seven o'clock i gotta cook i gotta clean i'm just gonna go down the road it's the convenience factor for me yep and that's what throws me off the rails completely and it's tough too because if you're the way i am if i'm not specifically making an effort to eat well if i'm not on a quote-unquote diet i'm off the rails i'm bad yeah and that's why i decided keto is the way to go because i have to be as strict as possible i have to look at every label is moderation possible (sighs) are you ever going to be able to be moderate because i'm not i don't think so i really do not think so yeah like if I want it, I'm going to go get it and I'm going to eat too much of it or I'm going to drink too much of it. Is that normal? Are most people like that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but I have to like... I know some people that are not like that. Yeah, I have a lot of friends that are like super disciplined. We're not even disciplined. It's it's kind of... Actually, this is the same thing I was talking about earlier. Like, I, I'm not an alcoholic because I don't like it that much, right? Yeah. Some people aren't... They don't have problems with food because they just like, sure, they like it, but they don't like it that much. Yeah. Like my ex-girlfriend, the same one I talked about, like it would be unfathomable for her to eat an entire box of cookies in a sitting just because she doesn't want to. Whereas I would love to. That, yeah, right that, now, that's, that's my goal. That. When I open that, because here's my thing and I rationalize it while I'm eating these things. Even if mm-hmm. I'm out to dinner, I'll have a plate the size of my head and I'll eat enough to the point where I'm like, well, I can't take that home. Yeah, me too. I'm not going to waste it though. And I eat it. Of course. And then I get so full to the point where I don't want anybody touching me. Of course. Yeah. It's not good. But not everybody does this. Yeah. So. No. And it's easy to get in like grooves. Like I see like if I have a weekend where like I go out a couple nights a week and I'm drinking, I feel more inclined to drink again. You know, like I'll get in a groove where it's like I need to stop myself here. Yep. Yeah, it's like um, it's re- it's very important to recognize those grooves too because it's very easy to fall into them. It's momentum. It's like you're either getting better or you're getting worse. There there is no staying the same for me anyway. No, not for me either. I'm either getting worse, and uh, I would describe it as like your boundaries are slipping. Because let's say you're like, yeah, okay. So let's say I'm the type of person that values being healthy, right? Yeah, and I am. That means that when I eat bad food and I drink. I'm breaking my own boundaries. Yeah. And then it becomes easier the next day to do it again. Yeah. And again and again and again. Diet always starts tomorrow. To the point where you don't even have any boundaries and you're just, you're fucked. Yeah. And And I feel like I got myself into one of those, like, my momentum took me in the wrong way for a while. I was there from January to a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in this for a bit. Yeah. So... That's like the main reason. And that coincides with depression too. Sorry. Was it to cut you off? Oh, I've cut you off like five times. It's okay. But that is what it is, right? Depression and that go hand in hand. Yeah. Right? It's like I'm not doing things that are fun and active, but I'm also bored. Mm. And I, I'll i just eat some food. Yeah, I like eating food. I'll eat like it's 100%. So, yeah. That's why I'm going balls to the wall and saying 
you can't eat anything but fat <laughs> and meat. Uh, no cheat day? To be determined. I feel like if I have a cheat day, then I'll have another cheat day. I'll tell you right now, I did keto for several months in college. And I gave myself one day a week when I had to have carbs. Yep. And there's a name for it. It's like CKD, cyclical ketogenic diet. You do keto six days a week and then one day you eat carbs. A lot of people, it's like carb cycling. Yes. Is it the same thing? No, actually. Similar. Okay. In the same family, I think. I probably should have done more research before I went on a zero carb diet, but. Well, you can do it. And I, what I'm saying is I would suggest no cheat day because I did not lose any weight that whole time because the cheat day, I fucked up my entire week, every single week. And I get that completely because there are weeks that I'm like, oh, I'm been really good. Mm-hmm. I can drink beer on the weekends though. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll save the beer for the weekend, maybe get a pizza. All the weight I lost that week right back that day. Yep. No cheat days for as long as possible. It shouldn't be so much cheat day. Maybe you reward yourself a little bit. Maybe an extra scoop of peanut butter or something like that. Something that's not going to kill you. That's the way to do it. Yeah, because as soon as you cheat, you've kind of started the process of falling again. Yep. And that's why I have to stay as strict as possible. And you know what? It never feels good either. I feel so guilty afterwards. It never feels good. Dude, I'm sure you'll have this same experience. So let's say... For example, one thing I, I used to love, and I still do, pizza hot stuffed crust pizza. I would get this in my mind, and I would think about it constantly Yeah. for days. I would crave it, right? Yeah. And So when I was on a diet, right? So six days of the week, I'm just thinking about pizza hut. And then I finally order it on my cheat day. I enjoy it for about two or three bites. Yep. And then the rest of the pizza, I'm just trying to finish it. Yeah. It's this weird thought process yeah. where I'm not even enjoying it. It's just like a chore that I have yeah. to eat it. This is my day. I need to reward myself. But the whole time, yeah, this is another like Buddhism thing, but it's like life is just desire and then sating that desire. So you have a desire, get rid of it. Have a desire, get rid of it. Yep. So if you don't get rid of it, that desire is just going to grow. Yep. But as soon as you get rid of it, it's not as good as you thought. And then you're right back to Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I feel like when you build things up so much, like you thinking for days about that pizza, when you finally Mm -hmm. get it, it's not as good. No, of course. Like you overhype it in your head. And it's trash. It's pizza. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. You always think it's going to be good because as a kid, you thought that was top notch. That's right. You used to love it because you loved shitty food. Yep. And then you finally get it and you're like, this is not the same. Yep. I've been chasing that dragon with a uh, Velveeta mac and cheese for years. Do you want some right now? No. Is that where you're, what are you craving right now? Right now, nothing. And I feel like that's like the most important part of the keto diet for me is that in my head, Food turns from something I enjoy to do to a fuel source for me. Mm. And I felt this click last time. Like, so I fasted all day today. I ate at 530. I had two burgers with a little chipotle aioli on top and some cheese. Mm. Snacked on a little pepperoni and a little bit of cheese. So I'd probably say I'm maybe at 1300 calories right now and I'm not hungry. So... I know it's only day one, but I think it's because I've done keto before and I've gotten that in my head where, okay, food isn't for enjoyment. It's for fuel. Yep. It's just a mindset shift. Yeah. When you didn't have that last week, you didn't have any rules for yourself. So you just said, well, I want it. I'm going to have it. There was, there was one day I didn't eat breakfast. I had ramen noodles for lunch and a box of mac and cheese for dinner. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah. 29 years old. <laughs> and yeah. that's what I had. for. That was my meal. 
Yeah. That's disgusting. That's just being life. in a rut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lazy, not wanting to cook, and just yeah. I've been trying to force myself to do like more like chores around the house, like. Even like the dishwasher was full for like I ran the dishwasher and I left it there for a week because I didn't want to empty it. And it's because I just had no drive to do so. I'd do you just use like, your dishes by taking them out of the dishwasher and using them? Or? That's how I, that's my laundry situation. Yeah. <laughs> I've never, if you go in my laundry room right now, all those baskets of clothes are clean. Hmm. But no, dishwasher, I'll usually empty, put it up, whatever. But like I just have not had motivation to do anything, which is why like, Back to like the tough week. I spent a lot of time in bed this week. And there were multiple days where I was like, I'm going to jujitsu tonight. And then I would find like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty tired. Maybe I shouldn't go. Or I just really don't feel like it right now. And I kicked myself for the rest of the night thinking like, you lazy fuck. Like, you're not helping yourself. Get up and go do something. It's tough, man, because that is, I think that is what depression is. 100%. And... Okay, back to the the medication debate, right? Okay, because I feel like we've uh, it's not really a debate. I don't disagree with you at all. I'm just kind of taking the stance that it's not the worst thing, or it might not be the worst thing. Yeah, I've never even taken it. Yeah, me either. But let's say there was a medication. Let's say I could tell you right now this medication. It's a uh, Kylenol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's say I I'm gonna prescribe you Kylenol right now. No yep. side effects, but it's just gonna get rid of that. Would you take it? Yep. Me too. 100%. <laughs> 100%. And I think if you, I'm not sure if there, I'm not even sure if that's realistic. I'm not sure if anybody's had that experience, but I, I like Ari Shafir's story, for example, I remember him telling it, it kind of was like that. He said, really? he said he was just in this awful rut for a long time and then he took it and he just kind of got better. And like, I have that exact same thought process, even about jujitsu. Yeah. Like I told you about that depression I was in in 2017. I just stopped going to jujitsu because it got so fucking hard. Yeah. But then when I'm not depressed, it's not like I'm overcoming all that shit that you just talked about. It's just not there. Yeah. It's just not hard to go to jujitsu. No, it's easy. You're looking forward to it. And I think that's what the difference between being depressed and not being depressed is like, it's just easy. Yeah. And it's almost like you, like, you know, you're bettering yourself and that's what your mindset is like, oh, let me, I'm going to trim up a little bit. I'm going to learn this new technique. I'm like you want to work on it. You want to get better. I've had no drive to want to improve anything. Yeah. That's uh, that reminds me of another interesting concept I learned about the way the mind works is whatever state you're in is going to predict all of your thoughts. So if you're happy and optimistic, when you think about jujitsu, you're going to think optimistically, like you just said, I'm going to learn skills. I'm going to talk to my friends, etc. Yep. But when you're in a negative mindset, all you're going to really think about is all the negative stuff. Oh, I got to get off the couch. Yeah. Oh, it feels scary. I haven't been in a week. Are they judging me? Yeah. And it's just whichever wins, like whichever side wins on any given day that decides if you go to jujitsu. So it's like you weren't weak for not going. You just didn't win the battle that day. No. And sometimes I feel like I need to force myself to win that battle a few consecutive days in a row. What is Okay. This is a, we might get into some interesting territory here. What does that mean? Force yourself. Is that possible? There have been days where I have I've been like, no, I don't want to go. I mean, granted, I don't, I can't think of a time in my life where I've been this lazy 
as far as just like lounging around and doing nothing. But I mean, there are times where like I don't I don't really want to go. But I've been like, okay, just go. You're going to be happy you went. But let me ask you this. Is it that you don't want to go or is it that you want to go, but you also don't want to go and don't want to go wins out? Yeah. Okay. The point I'm getting to here is another Sam Harris thing. Yep. Do we have the power to make our own choices? Free will. Does it exist? I don't think so. And on any given day, do you make the choice to go to jujitsu or was it just going to happen or not? And my argument is last night you said you wanted to go to jujitsu, but you didn't. Yeah, I went to bed instead. I don't think you could have. No. I don't think forcing yourself exists. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to read up on that because that sounds wild to me. The idea is, and I love jujitsu as an example. The idea is that take any decision going to jujitsu. There's going to be a million different variables that influence that decision. Yep. You could say, let's, let's boil it down to if I'm in a good mood, I'll go. If I'm in a bad mood, I won't go. Right. Yep. Well, what is your mood decided by? So decided by the food you ate, the people you talk to, what you've been thinking about all day. How many of these variables can you actually control? A lot of them you can't. If you can't control the variables, then you can't control the choice. That is extremely interesting. And sometimes I feel this way and sometimes I, I feel like I, I always feel like I have the choice. Everybody feels like they have the choice. Yeah. But honestly, when it comes down to it, I don't think we have the choice. You can't control certain things that are going to affect you during the day is what you're saying. So that's going to dictate how you feel and how your night's going to end up. Well, let's take it back to meditation. Okay. When you're meditating and you're watching your thoughts, what do you realize about your thoughts? It's, it's kind of a trick question because you're, you are not creating your thoughts. No, I feel like they're very scatterbrained and they're going wherever they want to go. I didn't have a choice in the matter. And I think that's a good realization because while you're meditating, you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to focus on. And then those other thoughts creep in. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to pull those thoughts into my head. I'm trying to get rid of them so I can focus on the now. Exactly. I think if you don't learn about this stuff, you might default and think, well, I'm thinking about uh, my friend Stacy right now. I purposely am thinking about my friend Stacy, but that's not really the truth because all day long, you're just kind of you and then thoughts come into your head and you'll notice this when you meditate mm -hmm. because you don't have any control over them. No. Like, like you just said, you're not trying to think about anything, but all of a sudden you're thinking about the most random stuff too. Yeah. Uh, any, like, for example, I meditated this morning and I thought about a number of different things I didn't want to think about. So the point I'm getting to again is if I'm not choosing my thoughts, what am I choosing? Because what is a choice like to go to jujitsu again? It's a combination of thoughts that go into an action. But if I'm not choosing my thoughts and the thoughts create the action, then how did I choose the action? That's wild. <laughs> that is so wild. That is something to think about. You think we should wrap there? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Something for people to chew on until the next time.
And I need to look into that a little bit and read some more. This isn't something you thought about before? Not at all. You just dropped a bomb on me. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. I might no. have ruined your life. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe now it's time I get prescribed drugs. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you next time. This is life being bound.